love you. It's good to be with you today. You're a bunch of dreamers. You guys are dreaming, dreaming great dreams. Um, why don't you go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout, and you'll see we're wrapping up a series today called Living the Dream. And so excited about the way in which you have allowed God to stir dreams inside of your heart. You've been aware of dreams. You've been so excited about um, just the incredible momentum that comes in our life when we allow ourselves to dream, when we're aware of our dreams, when we begin to pursue those dreams. Um, even when we have broken dreams and we offer those to God as well, right? We've been talking about these different stages all along the way and Today, we're going to be talking about what dreams may come. And I, I just would begin by saying the sort of the overarching conversation today is going to be around what if we just you know, emptied ourselves and said, God, would you allow me to dream your dreams? And, and so I just want to kind of put that out there. Would, would you be willing to say that to God? Would you be willing to ask him to put his dreams inside of you? And it's a big question. You know, a lot of times what God, because God's such a good, he's such a good dad. He's such a great father. And so there are often times when he'll allow us to dream a dream and to pursue a dream and even to achieve a dream only to discover that we didn't really want that in the first place. Right? Um, I'll, I'll just give you one example. This is when my son Caleb was quite small. Um, the, uh, the family, we were over in like Polsbo, I think, and, or, or like on, on the peninsula somewhere. We were doing a little family thing. And Jody had taken Caleb into a store and said, you can buy whatever you want in the store. Anything you want, you can buy. And so my son very meticulously went all through the aisles. He was so excited to get this special thing from the special store on the special vacation that we were having. And he comes back to his mom. He comes back to, to Jody and he says, I want this. And she was like, really? You want this? He's like, I want this. More than anything else in the store, I want this most. So she said, okay, she bought it. It was a spatula. Pastor Gary was telling me this week one time where he was at a uh, carnival. A bunch of dudes were hanging out at this fair-like thing. And they all decided to put their two bucks down to try to win this, you know, the carnival game. Which are absolutely impossible. They're totally rigged. And, and so anyway, uh, all, all the guys, the manly men were all doing the thing. And then Pastor Gary stood up. First shot, he wins the prize. It was a huge stuffed teddy bear, okay? He got this huge stuffed teddy bear that was so big... He couldn't get it on the airplane home, right? And so at the airport, he was trying to give the thing away, and it turned out to be harder than winning the teddy bear in the first place. And it's just so funny, because oftentimes God does that, right? He allows us to achieve our dreams only to discover at some point, oh, you know what, that, that really wasn't my heart's deepest yearning. That really wasn't what was going to make me become fully alive. And so I think it brings us to this place where we want to begin today by asking God to pour his dreams inside of us. And if you're filling in the blanks, the challenge that we have is that we would dream kingdom-sized dreams. That we would literally dream dreams that were about the kingdom and for the kingdom and bringing the kingdom. And that that would be the way in which our dreams would be sculpted. 
And God says this in Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So intergenerational, intergender, like everybody is going to get dreams and visions poured out from the Holy Spirit. And these are going to be kingdom dreams. Dreams that, that we get to dream, that we get to be a part of, dream fulfillment. And it will be about bringing the kingdom here. And, and it's because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I, I want to tell you a couple of things about what kingdom dreams are going to look like. The first is just the word limitless. Kingdom dreams will be without limit. And I say this as, again, a permission giving kind of a moment. Because if you're anything like me... What you do is you dream dreams. I'm a dreamer. I dream all the time. I have 12 dreams before breakfast. Like, that's just kind of how it goes. And, and yet, so often what I'll do is I'll dream a big dream, and then I'll say, well, Mike, you don't have the skills to pull that off. You don't have the connections to pull that off. You don't have the finances to pull that off. You don't have the whatever to pull it off. Mike, you are too limited to dream that kind of a dream. And this week, as I was working on the message, I really felt God prompting in my heart. And and the prompt that he was giving me was this. Mike, if you're going to discount a dream based on a limitation, God was saying, then discount a dream based on my limitations. In other words, he has none. And and so we are, we're given permission to dream kingdom-sized dreams. We're given permission to give, dream God-sized dreams because God has no limitations. And if God wants to and God does want to, God will plant a dream, pour out a dream, and then he will, uh, he'll do what he wants to do with it. And it's a limitless kind of an invitation that God's given us. The next part of the God-sized, kingdom-sized dream that I want you to write down is this idea of multifaceted. The the dreams that God stirs within our hearts, the kingdom-sized dreams, are going to be multifaceted. Almost like a well-cut diamond has all kinds of faces, right? All kinds of of ways that light gets refracted from that diamond. And and that's what a beautiful kingdom-sized dream looks like. It's that diamond with all kinds of different angles and all kinds of ways light gets refracted and the kingdom comes in all sorts of ways, all manner of styles that we never could have foreseen before we began to dream that kingdom-sized dream. And the reason why I say this is because as humans, we, we think about dreams very much like goals, and there is only one way that we accomplish our goals. That's kind of what we think. Here's my goal. It comes true this way. I get to tick it off my list when it looks exactly like that. And um, God is so much more multifaceted. He's, he's involved in so many more things than we could possibly conceive of. And so um, I'll give you a couple of practical illustrations. One, my buddy was a drummer for a local band called Pale Pacific. And they did quite well for several years, many albums, and, and a lot of folks in the indie scene knew him, followed him. They're just a great experience. But he told me when they were first starting out that his dream was that they would get signed by this executive in this label, okay? This recording label. That was his dream. 
And so he did. He spent several years doing everything that he knew how to do, managing this band so that they could get to that place. And so it involved playing in coffee shops and dive bars and getting paid in like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese tokens and like uh, all this stuff as he's going. Then the demo and then the radio play and then finally the, you know, the, the showbox theaters and, you know, the whole bit all along the way and the, the tours where it's like 10 guys and all the gear and then, you know, Volkswagen bug and you're driving, you know, for 12 1,200 miles for a YMCA gig and in like everything, right? Again and again and again. And finally, he got to sit at the table with this executive, with this recording label, gave him the album that they had just cut and asked if, you know, hey, would you guys be willing to sign us? And the executive looked at him and said, no, thank you. And he thought that dream was a broken dream. And then he turned around and he looked over the last few years of his life and he saw all of these incredible relationships that had been birthed, all of these friendships, all these God conversations, all these moments of life experience and abundance that he would have missed out on entirely if he had never dreamed the dream in the first place. You see, God is a multifaceted God, and the dreams that we dream will have all these multifaceted realities. And if you want to write something down, write this down. Some dreams are about what God can do through us, and other dreams are about what God wants to do to us. And so there will always be a multifaceted element of a kingdom-sized dream. I was talking to my buddies, Jason and Eric. They're the ones who filmed the documentary called Rape for Profit that came out in December. And they had dreams before they ever started on this project of how the film would be produced and how it would be distributed and and the impact that it would make in American society, fighting human trafficking. And it still might happen the way they dreamed it, but right now it hasn't. It hasn't been picked up. It hasn't been distributed nationwide. and, And we had this huge premiere in December. Many of you were a part of that. But I was talking to him and I was saying, look, you don't know what God had in mind when he stirred that dream in your heart. Because even if it was to set one slave free from the sex trafficking industry, even if it was to impact one life, if there was just one person that became more whole because they got a chance to experience that documentary. So you don't know the multifaceted way that God uses the dreams that we dream. Uh, one of the things that we just had a chance to experience this weekend, and I'm so proud of you, Overlake. I'm so proud of our church. But many years ago, we had this dream that God would be involved with Overlake, that he would stir us for orphan care. And so, you know, we've been ringing that bell a lot. Hey, we've got to care for orphans. We be involved in foster care. Uh, be an adoptive family. Let's be involved overseas. Let's be involved here at home. And we've just been ringing that bell. You've heard that bell. It's a, it's a good bell. We ring it a lot. But we also decided that we didn't just want to ring that bell. We wanted to be an encouragement for the families that are walking the road of foster care and adoption. And so we have this conference called the Refresh Conference. And uh, Michelle and Andrew Schneidler on our staff, they're the kind of the heads of that thing. And, and so we just had the conference Friday night, Saturday. 550 families came to this conference. It doesn't count the 170 kids that were a part of our kid camp. It was absolutely amazing to see the encouragement and the refreshment poured out into these families' lives. 
And it was so, so good because so often when you go into family life, foster care, adoption, you have a dream about the one way your family's going to look. And it never looks like that. That God does use our dreams and he does fulfill them, but it's multifaceted. There's all these refractions of light that we never could have anticipated. And so the main thing about our dreams is to seek the kingdom, right? The main thing is to desire the kingdom. God, let the kingdom come in my dreams. Would you pour your dream into my heart that's a dream about the kingdom? And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom. Right? See first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. The rest will take care of itself. You know what that verse says? And you, you should jot this down somewhere. It, just wrestle with this, because you're going to wrestle with it. Thursday morning, you'll wake up, you'll go, oh, Mike was right. Here, here, I want you to write this down. There is no bigger self-benefit than fulfilling a kingdom-sized dream. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound right. I thought, I thought the idea of a kingdom-sized dream was to be selfless. It is. It's to be absolutely selfless and to sacrifice and pursue this thing completely selfless. But what you'll see is what Jesus says. The more you pursue the kingdom, the more you'll see all these other things will be added to you as well. Right? There's this incredible self-benefit that comes. And how can I say that? Because I want to tell you, that's the abundant life that Jesus was inviting us into. When he said, I came that you may have life, that's what he was referring to. That heart pounding, chills up and down your spine, the dry throat, the sweaty palm moment. That's the abundant life. That's where, that's where the richest part of our life is, is when we're getting out of our comfort zone and pursuing the kingdom-sized dream that he has poured into us. Friends, that's where you will feel most alive when you are aware of the kingdom dream and you are going after it with all you got. Let me give you the opposite of that. Okay, I found this quote, author named uh, Gary Collins. He says, when vision fades, passion cools, enthusiasm dissipates, indecision and inertia take over, and hope disappears. Doesn't that sound like an awesome life right there? That's what happens when we don't dream. And that brings us to the next truth, and I really want you to wrestle with it. It's that we need dreams. We need the dreams that God is pouring into our hearts. We need the kingdom-sized dreams so that we will live the life that is the fullest life. And, and if you, you don't know where to start on this, I would just pray, or I would encourage you to pray, God, would you plant your dreams in my heart? If you want to be even more specific than that, pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and let me be a part of it. Let me, let me somehow play a role in the dream of your kingdom coming. Let me be a part of that initiative. And think about the areas of your life. We talk about your domain, the areas where you have influence. And then pray the kingdom into these areas. Dream the kingdom into your domain, in your relationship with God, with your spouse if you have one, or your significant other, and your friendships, with your children, with your uh, other extended family members, in your church right here at Overlay, or in your business, or in your workplace, or in your 
classroom, in your finances, with your health, with your fitness, with your diet, etc. The dream that you dream are kingdom dreams in all of the areas of influence in your life, in your entire domain. And if you pray for a God-sized dream, a kingdom-sized dream, you might discover right away that it's impossible for you to do on your own strength. You're going to need God's help to accomplish these dreams. But see, he delights in that. And I want to say that every step that you take that pursues a dream fulfillment, every single action step that you take as you pursue your dream is like making a deposit in the bank. You're making a deposit toward that uh, dream being fulfilled. And God will prove to you that there is an incredible return on your investment. For every action step that you take, there's a return on your investment when it comes to dream fulfillment. So, let me show you a biblical example of all this. We've been talking about how the dreams are in the scriptures. And if you want uh, just a really interesting study, just go to Bible Concordance, type in dreams, see how often in all of the scriptures dreams appear. And God using dreams to bring his kingdom to earth. And uh, we, we've been going through a dream a week. So we started with Jacob's dream, then Joseph's dream, last week's Peter's dream. Today I want to talk to you about Paul's dream. And a dream that God stirred in Paul's heart. And, and you're going to find it's really, really unique how God used a dream in Paul's life. Okay, remember Paul the Apostle? He had been persecuting the Christians, but then he met Jesus, realized that was a bad idea, started following Jesus. And so this is a dream that, that Paul has. It says, next Paul and Silas, his travel buddy, traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Well, that's really interesting. The Holy Spirit prevented them from going east into Asia at that time. Okay, interesting. Let's keep going. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. <laughs> so they tried to go east, and the Holy Spirit said, No, not, not, not today. Not on this trip. Not now. And then they started to go north, and Jesus said, No, your travel doesn't include this region either. So they're very, very interesting what's happening here. Okay, that night, oh, oh, so instead they went on to Mycenae, to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. So here's his dream. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Interesting. So the dream is the man from Macedonia saying to Paul and Silas, hey, would you come and help us? What's really interesting is that Paul knew this man was from Macedonia in his dream. I don't know if he had like the t-shirt that said Macedonia rocks or whatever. But um, I, I never knew that. But then when we were in the Middle East, one of our guides told us that it's so interesting the, the Macedonian people group was very, very small. And they were very unique in this region because the, the, somehow the genetic mix of this ethnicity was that they all had their blue eyes. It was a blue-eyed uh, group of people. In the midst of this Middle Eastern region, which, which blue eyes were very, very rare. 
And so in his dream, this blue-eyed Macedonian man, Paul instantly recognized, oh, that's a Macedonian. And he's saying, come and help us. And they realized this was the Lord planting a kingdom-sized dream into Paul's heart. Well, let's go there and preach the good news. Think for me about the way in which God has used dreams. In Jacob's life, the dream was an individual dream. It was a dream that God said, I will be with you and I will bless you. And then Joseph had a dream. And in Joseph's dream, it was about the nation of Israel and saving the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And then last week we talked about Peter's dream. And and again, it's just sort of building on the last. Peter's dream wasn't just for the nation of Israel. It was for the entire world. The reconciliation of all things through Christ's love poured out on the cross of Calvary. Peter recognized that the dream was for everybody, everywhere, all over the planet. And by contrast, Paul's dream is like the exact opposite. It's like a laser focused on a very specific group of people in a very unique region with incredibly unique needs and a location that was absolutely pivotal for God's future plans, which were that Christianity would spread into the West and all of Europe. And you know the whole story. So interesting here that that Peter's dream was for everyone everywhere all the time and Paul's dream was Very specific, almost as delicate as you would imagine a doctor's scalpel coming in and just very delicately and and carefully going right after an individual heart, a very unique need, a very particular people group. And to me, I think this is fascinating. It's fascinating because, you know, Paul, Paul already knew something about the way in which the delicate and individual and detail-oriented Lord of the universe met him while he was traveling to Damascus and knocked him off his, his donkey and, and it just enraptured him with the love of Jesus Christ in that moment, changed the whole course of Paul's life. Paul already knew what that was like, the very specific and particular love of Jesus. And so God used something that Paul already knew in order to birth a dream in his heart. And you can bet that's going to be true in your life as well. As God stirs a kingdom-sized dream in you, it's going to be unique to who you are. It's going to be specific to the road that you've already walked, and it's going to be to a particular or specific reality that God wants his kingdom to be brought into. Okay, All of this is what we see in Paul's dream. All of this is what we see and when we ask God, God, would you birth your kingdom-sized dream within me? Now, uh, there is sort of a challenge on the backside of this thing, and this is where our American culture creeps into our dreams and becomes a whole lot like the American dream, and so we have to really be careful about some of this stuff. But the bold on your outline is, is a truth, and I want us to always be aware that we need to be humble enough to evaluate the size of our dreams. 
We just need to be humble enough to recognize not every dream we have is a good dream. Not every dream is a kingdom-sized dream. Not every desire is a legitimate desire. Are you, are you tracking with me? Like it just, we just got to be humble enough, gracious enough with ourselves to recognize that, that in this fallen world, our perceptions get a little messed. Uh, the way in which we view truth, things get a little cloudy. So we just have to be humble enough. And Scripture tells us, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God, right? That's the, that's the best place to be. Get next to God, and then you can sort of see where your dreams are lining up. And we've been doing this thing over the last month, and so many of you have been a part of that. We've been dreaming dreams. We've been writing them on our chalkboard in the hallway there and just sharing those dreams. Very, very fun. And some of you have truly delighted me with your dreams. I want you to know I have, um, I have been brought to tears reading your dreams. I have, um, I have laughed out loud at some of the dreams. In fact, let me just share a few of you. Uh, the, the one dream that we found was to fly, which I felt like, you know what? I'm all about that. And I assume it means like Superman, you know, like just to take off. Because if it means to like get on an airplane, okay, you know, I, I, that's, that's a little bit less dramatic. But I like, you know, to fly. This one I really liked, which was um, to own a baby unicorn. And uh, I just thought, oh, that's sweet. But you know what? It's really the adolescent unicorns that need a home. So just think about that. <laughs> It's an adoption joke there. Uh, I will get a piggyback ride from Marshawn Lynch. Uh, really? Marshawn? That's, that's what he wants? What's his dream? To not give a piggyback ride. Like, I don't know. Next one. Uh, to own a hairless cat I can stroke while planning world domination. <laughs> I like that one. Listen, if you're here and you wrote one of those, I just want to thank you, uh, honestly, for your lighthearted spirit and for your sense of humor, because it truly brought delight to me as I read those. And um, and so at no point do I want you to think I'm making fun of dreams. I I just actually think those four were maybe not dreams so much as um, like jokes, right? Uh, uh, If it was your dream, sorry if I'm making fun of it. Uh, I... uh, Maybe in heaven, Marshawn really wants to give you a piggyback ride. I don't know. Like, that's weird. But, um, but what I will say is this. I will say that it's interesting when we think about our dreams and we do a little analysis. We realize that sometimes we think of dreams and when we articulate dreams like they're really kingdom-ish. They're really going to be generous-ish. They're really going to be good for others-ish. But we've got a selfish core that puts our, ourselves right in the very middle. For example, the dream of winning the lottery, you know, so you can blow it all on shoes, right? Like that's, uh, oh, I'll be generous when, but then really you're thinking about bigger and better, right? The dream of building a huge house on the hill and a nice mother-in-law unit so you can put your family in the mother-in-law unit and live in the house by yourself, right? I guess, you know, you, you find that these dreams we have sometimes, they're really sort of selfish-oriented dreams. And so it's a, a, appropriate to be humble enough to recognize that and then to evaluate the size of your dream. Evaluate whether it's a God-sized, kingdom-sized dream. And, and um, the, he, like, for example, here's a proverb. If your vision's for a year, plant wheat. 
If your vision's for a decade, plant trees. If your vision's for a lifetime, plant people. It's just a reminder that dreams are different size dreams, right? Um, that, um, th- that some of us have dreams that look like this and some like this. And, uh, and so the challenge is, how do we know if it's a kingdom-sized dream? And I want, to, I want you to jot down a few tools to evaluate whether our dreams are kingdom-sized dream. The first is that it aligns with Scripture. That it's not in contrast with the will of God already revealed to us. We wonder sometimes, we wrestle, God, is this your will? God, do you want me to do that? Do you want me to pursue that? And he's already articulated so much of his will right here in his word. And so it's, it's really, really important for us to recognize that, that our, our dreams, if they're going to be kingdom dreams, they're going to align with scripture and not contrast with his word for us. Number two is it's going to merge spiritual gifts, values, and passion. In other words, it's going to be consistent with these things in your life. You've got a passion for this, and God's kingdom dream is going to maximize that, not come against it. You've got skills and experience in these ways. God's kingdom dream is going to just merge right in line with those things, not combat it. Notice, however, I didn't say it's consistent with your skills, because what is interesting to me is we tend to learn incredible skills when we dream kingdom dreams that are in line with our passions, right? God will use our passion to teach us all kinds of skills. But it has to be in line with who you are. The third thing needs to be worthwhile. The dream is going to be worthwhile. God-given visions are worth living for, they're worth sacrificing for, they're worth committing to, maybe even worth dying for. And somebody always benefits Somebody will always be helped. The kingdom will come not for nothing, but for something. So it would be worthwhile. The next thing is that it's able to be communicated. And what gets communicated is your heart. Right? And, and you might not know this right on the top, so you might have to wrestle with this. Your dream is, and you have to try it a few ways, maybe write it out a little bit. But, but you're able to communicate the heart that you have of, of bringing this kingdom-sized dream to fulfillment. The fifth is that it's characterized by your convictions. By what you know, by what you hold true, by what you hold dear. You, you have a conviction that this is worthwhile to pursue. The sixth is that it's going to be challenging, somewhat scary, get you out of your comfort zone. Um, It will instill awe, stretch us beyond what we see as our own limitations. The best visions will guide and often amaze as they move people forward into something better than the status quo. And the seventh is it will be unique, unique to you. It will work hand in glove with the person that God has already crafted in who you are as an individual. And God will bring this specific, unique vision into your life uniquely for some unique manifestation of his kingdom in a specific and particular part of this fallen world. Like the man from Macedonia. Saying to Paul, Paul, come help us. There, there is that man from Macedonia somewhere in your world. And there's that unique 
picture, that, that specific purpose that God is stirring in your heart, in your kingdom-sized dream, some need that's crying out, come help us. And that's, friends, why it really isn't a good idea to ever judge somebody else's dream. Because you don't have the right to judge their dream. They don't have the right to judge yours. You're not them. You don't know their experiences. You don't know their, their passions. You don't know the way in which God has spoken into their life and what he is calling them into, the, the specific region, the Macedonia that God wants to use that person for that's different from your Macedonia. That's why you can't judge someone else's dream. They can't judge yours. So let's not be judgers of dreams, but rather encouragers of them. Let's be one another's cheerleaders, right? That, that we want to foster dreams in one another's lives. Never put, the, the, you know, put out the fire. And Overlake, you already do this so well. So what I want to do is I want to read you some of the dreams that you dream. These are taken from the chalkboard in the hallway. And some of you have taken some time. You've, you've poured over those. You've prayed over those. The elders have prayed over those, by the way. And we want to make sure that you understand that, that these kinds of dreams that you're already dreaming are kingdom-sized dreams, just like the man from Macedonia. They're very specific, and they're, they're very particular. And, and there's, there's this individual kind of a focus in so many of these, calling us to be about one specific corner of, of the kingdom, that, that we would bring God's love and God's value here. So let me just read a few. You can read, I'm sure you can read faster than I can over these to start a transition house for Celebrate Recovery at Overlake Christian Church. Again, these are just from the chalkboard. To write or direct a biblical screenplay, adopt a child from Mexico, be part of the cure for HIV AIDS, to be part of a foster family neighborhood sharing together as a community. And you can just see there are such good ones here. Let's go to the next slide. To be the mom God called me to be, to be an NICU nurse, Open a safe house for trafficked victims. Just keep going. Travel to Thailand. Help victims of trafficking. Bring revival to the youth in my hometown. How Macedonia is that? God would mold me to be a beacon of hope for those who want to give up. Wow. Serve the Lord in Colombia. To volunteer as a nurse helping sick and vulnerable infants and children in South America. To see orphans in North Korea have three full meals a day. Wow. Let's go to the next. To ignite a passion for orphan care. Income and jobs for 10,000 in the Philippines. To make the best Christian video game ever. (laughs) Let's look at the next one. Touch 5,000 people in my writing to see what my son's dreams are. To give hope to those who've lost it. I think we have one more slide. A big revival in Italy that mommy and daddy make peace and just love us. See, I hope you can see how these dreams that you're dreaming are kingdom-sized, but they're very Macedonian, right? 
They're very specific and particular. Come help us. You're dreaming a dream that you'd be able to bring the kingdom right there. What's interesting is, is out of those dreams that I just shared, um, they were taken from a couple of pages that, that uh, I, I received. I received a document of all of the dreams that you've dreamed over the last month. It was a 17-page document. God is stirring dreams. We're being aware of his dreams. We're seeing how, how his hand is a part of all this. The Holy Spirit has been pouring his dreams out in us. So I do want to tell you, Overlake, my 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 prayer, my desire would be that in a year we would do a dreams revisited kind of a thing. And we would begin to do the reporting of how you have pursued God's dreams in your life. How you, you've journaled about this. As you've taken action steps toward the dream fulfillment, you've let us know along the way. And so we could have your testimony of how you've gone after a kingdom-sized dream and you've seen some Macedonia change because the kingdom has come to bear.